Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings, but this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Chandler Baker is the author of Cutting Teeth. She was on this podcast before where I interviewed her, and this time she is guest hosted by Julie Chavez, author of Everyone But Myself, a forthcoming Zibby Books title, and Julie's also the host of Ask a Librarian, the podcast. Chandler Baker grew up in Sarasota, Florida, went to college at the University of Pennsylvania, and went to law school at the University of Texas, Austin. She worked as a lawyer at a D.C. firm, worked in Dallas for a major sports franchise, and worked as a corporate attorney. Now she can usually be found listening to audiobooks at two times the normal speed, overspending at bookstores, and obsessing over true crime. She lives in Austin, Texas, with her husband and toddlers. Chandler, thanks so much for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to talk about Cutting Teeth, your latest novel. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. I'm so happy to talk to you. And I feel like you, I'll talk to Zibby about this, but I feel like as a three-time guest, like a 3 P, you need like a little trophy or, I mean, something, right? Or like a jacket, like we'll just go yes. full on SNL. Yes. A okay. varsity jacket. And then maybe you yes. could put like the book titles on the sleeve or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure she has time for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to draft that email. I think that'll Perfect. really make me a value add. Great. Right? Great. Yeah. Yes. Great. Make sure. And I'll mention it was your idea just to see how that goes. You see me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so happy you're here today. I just finished the book, which I mentioned, Cutting Teeth. It's your third novel, although your third adult novel, I should say. Or mm-hmm. novel for adults. <laughs> yes. wanna, but yeah. oh, yes. I was just telling you before we started, I loved this book and also it's twisted. <laughs> Thank I, you. Is that I hope so? <sighs> yes. I have to say I would read it and then I put some stuff, I put it down a couple of times and I was like, whoa, that just got weird. And then moved on with my day. But I loved it. It's so clever. Do you want to give just a quick 
um, since you're the subject matter expert, a quick premise of what this book is about. Yeah. So um, Cutting Teeth, it follows three moms, uh, Darby Rhea and Mary Beth, and they're each sort of on their personal quest to subsume like aspects of their identity that um, they've lost during motherhood. Like for one, it's career, for one, it's sex life, for one, it's her business. And their plans get upended when their preschoolers who are all in the same class at Little Academy develop this sort of unsettling medical condition that causes them to crave blood. And they all have different philosophies of handling it, but they're handling it. And then the children's preschool teacher is found murdered sort of feet away from the classroom and the only witnesses and eventually suspects become the like 10 adorable four-year-olds. Adorable four-year-olds. indeed. <laughs> adorable and dangerous, I think is a good yes, way to adorable describe and dangerous. any four-year-old. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Even, even ones that don't want to drink blood. Right. Right. Okay. I am so glad you shared that. I really, what I found most interesting about this book, well, first of all, listening to you talk about the three things they were trying to reclaim, your writing is so excellent because as soon as you said that, I thought, oh, that's exactly what it was. But you don't notice it. Like the way that you you write, it's very natural and it feels, it's just highly readable. So I loved reading it. But also the thing I love about it is that you have the plot, but beneath it, there's really a lot of commentary that I found on what it is to be a mother and the idea that, you know, your children are pretty much sucking you dry from the beginning. It just changes in form, right? Mine are now sucking me dry financially. And sleep. <laughs> That's yes, come back about, around. Gosh, I know. I'm like living in the illusion of my, you know, my son is three and a half and he's our youngest. And I'm like living in the illusion that when he goes to kindergarten, we'll get this big raise because he'll be in in public school. But I know right. that's the lie that I'm telling myself to go to sleep at night. <laughs> I think you'll be okay though, because I feel like it's not until they start doing things without you. That's where it really is like, mom, I need money for the movies. Like real I'm not money. going out with my friends. Yes, correct. Yeah. The donations yes. you can you can tamp down, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. It's- I'm still like really enjoying the moment where you can be a real hero getting things for them that are like very low cost. Like right now everything is like prime the drink. Totally. And I'm like, oh I don't know. It's like two dollars. <laughs> and then I know, you know, your kids age, they're asking for like clothes that cost as much as mine and stuff. Yeah. It's it's slightly different. Although my uh, 14-year-old is still drinking the prime drink. So really, oh, okay. you know, okay. the more things change, the more they stay the same. So yes, <laughs> I have to say this book has a really satisfying ending also. So all these things that I really liked about it, tell me about, well, what's interesting is I was listening back to your most recent interview with Zibby and you were just talking about the beginnings. You still had a different title in mind. Uh-huh. Oh, and that's funny that I was talking about this book then. Okay. I know. Yeah. It was interesting because... And then in the first one, you were talking about the husbands just having Uh ideas about it. So it was neat to, and I kept thinking about like, it's such a time capsule. So, you know, and when you're bored next time, you can go back and listen to yourself because there's nothing cringy about that. Sure. I'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do that never. But when, so how has this process been different? This is your third book. A lot of what you said, and it sounds like is true for you that you don't have a ton of regularity or discipline around your process, even though you treat it like a job, it sounds like, but it sounds like the way that the books come to you is sort of organic and depends on what you're writing about. Is that still true for you? Like how is, how was writing this one different? I think so. You know, it's so interesting because 
like cutting teeth feels sort of like a step away from some of the things I've, I've done in the past. It feels like a little bit more speculative, a little bit more out there. I mean, vampire toddlers is a strange idea. And yet I can pretty clearly like trace the lineage of the books. It's like whisper network was about women in the workplace. The husbands was about women in domestic partnerships at home and cutting teeth is about women as mothers. So I can I can really find find that common thread and you know I'd be so curious what I said in that last interview because it, it's funny to me looking back now that there's always sort of clues in my previous books for what I'm going to write about next like there's a line in the husbands I think about how Nora feels like she's like would rather be cannibalized by her family rather than you know try to like shift her schedule around anymore to accommodate people and like it actually refers like physically being eaten and I'm like oh like that is cutting teeth like that's what the that's the whole book but like I didn't realize that when I wrote it like the process for writing the husband's was I like, I remember that second draft starting from a blank page. Like I wrote the book once and I wrote it. Then I wrote the next draft from a blank page. I still, I like, I think I made some hand waving gestures at the idea of outlining for cutting teeth Okay, (laughs) that were, you know, somewhat more successful maybe, but I don't, I think inefficiency, I mean, I'm curious what you think as a writer too, like inefficiency is the process for me, at least like there's no way around it. I wrote the first, I think, 100 pages of this book so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, gosh, moving that murder up like (laughs) earlier and earlier just about broke me. Yeah. So it it didn't get, it didn't get much more, more efficient. And I definitely still sort of did it blindly by feel just kind of what feels right as I go. Well, I wonder if that's part of the magic of it though, too, because I think something that I couldn't have known before I started writing and stepping into this publishing process is how many times you're going to redo it. Mm -hmm. So there is sort of like a starting out inefficiently feels true to the rest of the process a little bit. So there's a little more looseness around it, which for someone who's type A like me, that's actually really good to embrace at the beginning as opposed Mm -hmm. to here you go, I'm done. And then no one someone says, no, actually you're not. You're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I wish I knew a way of like revising that wasn't just completely dismantling. My critique partner always says about me that I'm incredibly willing to like murder everything just to change one thing. But I just, I don't know another way to do it, to rebuild it rather than, than delete it all and, and go again. I don't know. (laughs) I think that makes sense to me though, because there's something about, I agree with you. The blank page can be scary, but also once you've written a draft, then it's all still in your head to some extent. So I feel like mm-hmm. for me, there is an element of faith in it where it's like, okay, I'm going to believe that whatever's meant to come out again is going to come out again. Yeah. Yeah. And then the absolutely. rest I can let fall away. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. When people tell me, like, this is what I do and I write this many words a day and I blah, 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 I'm just, it just makes me sweaty, but also it, extremely envious. Yeah. It sounds so adult and sane. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, good for you. Adopt me. <laughs> Please tell me how to live and also mm-hmm. how to do everything. Yes. I think you hit on it though, too. You talk about it in the book about you have some astute observations, some really sharp observations in this book that are so true to kind of the vibe of the book. Like when you talked about how mothers 
are uh, subject to the 45 minute rule. Like that there's always 45 minutes until you have to do something else. Mm -hmm. And I read that and I thought, I don't think I've ever read anything truer than that. Like even (laughs) as I was reading it, I was like, yeah, this is, let me look at the clock. Sure. Got to be somewhere Mm -hmm. in 45 minutes. So to that point, like, it sounds like you have, even as a full-time writer, you still have to carve those times in and Mm -hmm. sort of be subject to all these interruptions. Is that something that you struggle with? I mean, is that something you feel is true for you as a parent, first of all? I mean, I feel like it is. You included it. But <laughs> is that... <laughs> no, it's not. You have just tons of free time, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, I think... So I was a lawyer before this, and there was a large chunk of time where I was both a lawyer and a writer. And then now, you know, I get to write full time. But there... I think moms with creative jobs, they're very easy to nibble into. Like you're all, you know, I work from home. It's very easy for me to be the person that's here for the AC guy. That's here for, you know, what I like that has to go run up to the school to do whatever. Like it's, yep. it, it, it's more nebulous, which can be trickier actually to like find the time and to keep it carved out. I agree. Yeah. I'm always looking for more time hacks. So uh, when you get that all figured out and you get your boundaries down again, just give me a call and that way I know. Okay. Yes. Another line I have to tell you, I loved that was so pointed like that. Uh, You talked about one of the children's rooms looking like a French countryside picnic moments after a cargo plane carrying a shipment of toys crashed into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This book is so funny. That's the thing I definitely (laughs) want to say. This book is twisted for sure, but it is really funny and just it's bitingly funny <laughs> i'm here for all the vampire puns. like don't be ashamed just lean have in have there been a lot has it been oh my like- gosh so many which i like there's always ones that surprise me mm. and uh I, I yeah i'm delighted by them yeah do you like puns in general are you a pun person let's say that's like a kind of a pun in itself it feels like <laughs> <laughs> it is well done yeah I'm not, I'm not really good at coming up with puns myself, I wouldn't say, but okay. I, appreci- I appreciate wordplay. Okay. I'm, well. I'm more of, I'm more of a fan, like a stand on the stands. Understood. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not in the game. I got it. Yeah. I want to talk about just for you, what is it? I mean, you've, this is a career, right? For you, like you're obviously a full-time writer, but I look at your catalog of books and the pace at which you are turning them out. What do you love about writing? Mm, oh my gosh, I so much. I you know, I related to the book. Like I I think a lot about messaging, right? Mm. Because I feel like as a writer, something that I feel like a lot of us talk about is like, oh my god, writing is so hard. Writing is miserable. Like I love having written, but I hate writing and I am absolutely guilty of thinking those things, saying them, I'm sure but I'm worried that the message we send out into the world is that writing is terrible and awful. And if you're thinking about doing it, you shouldn't try it when in fact it feels like my sort of greatest calling and it is sort of hard to develop the neural pathways that allow you to sit in that discomfort. But I feel very rich enjoyment from that. And I feel very similarly similarly about parenting too. Like we complain so much about our children and I think there is a very valuable catharsis in sharing those complaints about parenting, but I also worry that we're sin- we're giving weird messaging into the world that it's not also like the greatest joy and 
like true calling in my life. So that was an aside, but <laughs> I, but I appreciate that. And you're so right. Just listening to you say that, I'm thinking of all the side by side memes right now about you know here's what I do with my day without kids, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want yes. this to be an honored path as well. However, yeah. I agree with you that sometimes it feels like maybe we are we're selling the experience short. We're mm-hmm. we're robbing of its robbing it of the beauty that it has that makes all the banana stuff worth it. So yeah, yeah, I'm here for it's, your side. it's thank you. I, I know. Cause I mean, I've, I've seen critiques of cutting teeth and it's like, well, why have kids at all? Like if you hate it so much, I'm like, well, well, <laughs> easy <laughs> <And>, tippy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like, I, I get it, yeah. but we do need people in the world to have children. <laughs> I, some people, yes. not every, not all people, but not some all. people, some, not all, yes. but some people. And it can be both things, right? It the paradox of parenting. And yeah, in terms of what I like about writing, I, I just always wanted to have a job that required me to use my brain. Like I love the problem solving aspect of it. It's really hard to sit in the not knowing, but when something clicks into place and it does start to flow, it's just so great. I mean, it, it, there's truly no other feeling like it. Do you feel that way? I do. I do actually yeah. listening to you talk about it. I think I, I'm a both and kind of person too, mm-hmm. where yeah. I, of course my children drive me insane, but there is nothing more that I find to be more of a privilege and a joy mm-hmm. than being their mom. And, yeah. and I also think too, that I was telling a friend this recently, we were talking about just transformation. And I was saying that I don't think that I would be able to be the person that I'm meant to be without experiencing parenthood. I think it has Mm -hmm. been a key, a key part of my life to shave away so much of the things I needed to ditch anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that can be very true of writing too, because it's, I think anything that's humbling and it sounds like for (laughs) you there, it's, it's a humbling experience to sit down and say, I'm going to write something that someone is going to want to read. Like it, it just is very vulnerable. So I love hearing you express it like that because I agree completely. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Great. Good. We're already wearing matching shirts. So glad you like it. I'm glad you like both having parent kids and writing. writing okay. We can't bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe, but we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life 360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use. So I got it. And now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you. And it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose a hundred times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and it makes life better. It makes peace of mind better. Life 360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost 
driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. Okay, but we do need to talk about one important thing where you and I differ, and that is, well, again, here's, let's start with a similarity. I listened to part of the audiobook, and it's true that you, I was listening to you and Emma, you have an interview at the end of the audiobook, and at yes. first I couldn't figure out who was who, but then okay. I got it sorted. So you had heard January and requested yes. her specifically to narrate this audiobook. Yes, exactly. Okay. So mm-hmm. she was amazing, and- yeah. It translated so well to audio. I was so impressed and I just enjoyed it. It was really good because I was kind of going back and forth so I could be sure to get it done. But Mm -hmm. at the end, you were also talking about how you love audiobooks, that you like Aussie narrators, which is like my top thing. Everything Jane Harper I've listened to because her narrator is amazing. Mm -hmm. We have that in common. Also immersive thrillers. I'm here for that. Okay. Then you said that you listen to audiobooks on two or three times speed out loud oh, in your house yeah. on a speaker. And I thought, well, if if we were roommates, I could write a thriller called Julie Killed a Roommate because yeah. if that just you're like sound, you're an actual human monster. Just, That's what you thought about me? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I actually told my husband, I was like, listen to this. This author I'm going to talk to today listens to him like this out loud. And he was just like, mm-mm. Nope. I'm that's, still married too. That's amazing. So kudos, way to go. I mean, I'm sure I mean, it's has like maybe, too. uh, yeah, no, that one really, he really, really hates it. Like he finds it so stressful. I mean, like, I think in general, I'm kind of like a stressful person probably. Cause I'm like very, like, I'm kind of a workaholic. I like okay. to like, I'm always like doing the things and, okay. and then it's like, that just feels sort of of a piece. Like it's very <laughs> on brand that we're going to do that. And yeah, everyone loves it. So it's amazing. And I just was laughing at it. I saw it on your bio on your website as well. Also, people who are reading Cutting Teeth do not sleep on Chandler's website because it's great. You have lots of resources. You have a couple of videos about how you came up with the story, and it's just very well done. So it was worth oh. the visit. Oh, great, great. <laughs> I feel like I have nothing to do with it. So love to hear it. (laughs) What do you think is your, so as a parent, I mean, cutting teeth is a lot about parenting, the things we do for our children, what we're willing to do for them. What do you think your greatest strength is as a parent and what's your greatest weakness? Oh man. I feel like a big part thing that I thought about in the book is that I don't think anyone's as good a parent as they purport to be. And no one's as bad as a parent as they feel that they are like mm-hmm. both between closed doors. Cause I often feel like not a very good parent. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that's more your default. I think that's my default. Uh, so, so it's easier for me to say the things that, that frustrate me about Got myself it. as a parent. So I, and I, again, I think this is hard. Like when, when you are available at home, when you're a, female creative, like your time is constantly being cut into when you're at work. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, because of that, I feel like my 
brain is sometimes not as present as I would like when parenting. I feel like both cut into each other. So Mm. I'm definitely like obsessed with checking my email. Like I wish I had better sort of technology boundaries in front of my children with the way I am about work. That's a big one. I think that I am generally pretty patient. I would say like, I'm not, I'm not quick to lose my my cool. That's a win. And I really enjoy like talking to my kids. I feel like they enjoy talking to me. I enjoy talking to them. That's a gift. What are yours? You probably have better thought out ones. You know, as you were saying it, I do this all the time. I ask questions and I never think of the answers ahead of time that I would And you love when someone just turns them back. (laughs) It's great. I always am (laughs) hoping that, please. Um, I'd say probably my greatest strength is in the conversation. Like I'm I'm willing to get in there and my willingness to be interrupted, which makes me horrible Mm -hmm. in other ways. Like everything has a shadow side. So even you, like- yeah, your kids are seeing you work, but your kids are seeing you work. So yeah. it, there's, it's just such a tricky one. But I would say availability, but my biggest weakness, gosh, I'd have to think because it is easy to think of multiples. <laughs> it's, it's probably, you know what? It's probably thinking I know best, trying to circumvent their process for them. Like Mm -hmm. I like to get things done quickly. So in that conversation, I like resolution. And so I'm like, well, let me just tell you what to do because you're going to get there eventually. So let me just help you out here. But weirdly, Mm -hmm. teenage boys don't, they're not really into that. They don't love that? Okay. No, no. (laughs) All right. It's odd. (laughs) I mean, my son still wants to marry me, so I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that face. So fun. Ah, uh, yep. I think my mom has like a signed card from one of us that says, I will marry my mom kind of thing. She was like, oh. I'm going to make them sign this. Oh, it's so sweet. I know. It is. I mean, I'll it's have hard to tell them. sweet time. Yeah. I think it's best to wait probably. <laughs> Definitely get it on video and then you can use it later. Yes. What do you think is your, what's the thing in writing, whatever project you're working on, what is one thing you want to get better at? I mean, other than outlining and having like a, a good plan. <laughs> Although maybe you could just let that go. We'll loop back around to that because it seems yeah. to be working. You seem to be finishing the books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I am not naturally like a structure gal. Okay. I would love to like think more deeply about structure going into a project, spend more time marinating on it. I love to like get writing. I get very twitchy about sort of the part where you're supposed to be marinating and thinking. Mm. I want to get to it. So I would love for a part of my process, like even if it's not outlining to just really think a little bit more deeply about how to create that forward momentum. I'm specifically thinking about like through character and like wants. I don't know. All all like the sort of save the cat-esque things that I sort of often turn up my nose at. I would like to stop having that attitude. (laughs) Well, yeah, I could see it's, well, it's tricky because there's always such a layer, but maybe we could apply your parenting logic to the writing game as well right? Maybe none of us is as poor as we think or as yeah. great as we think. Yeah. Yeah. I like <laughs> that. Somewhere in the I'll middle. take it. Yes. <laughs> What's one conversation that you're enjoying having around this book? Oh gosh. I've had a lot of conversations about, so my son, I swear I'd already started the book. I'd already been writing the book, but he became the class writer during the course of 
of writing this book. Your dedication is my favorite thing I think I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank yep. you. I know. I'm trying to explain to him, like, you have a book dedicated to you at three and a half. Like, totally. Look at, Congrats. Look at all you've done in the world. And so one, it's been really fun. Like, I feel like a lot of parents have talked to me about their experience with their kids as a class biter. I, I really love the people that are talking to me about how they were the class biter and then seeing them be like functional people in the world is very comforting. But you know, we had a, it was a really tough sort of semester when he held that crown and he was just going after everyone, you know, like a real life baby shark. It was, it was awful. And people, there was a small um, movement by a mom to try to get him kicked out of school. And, you know, we were doing we were doing everything. I'm like we, sure. he was being shadowed. We pulled him out of school for like, took him out two days a week. You know, we sent him with chew toys. We read all the books, like we did everything, but there's that privacy thing, right? So they can't tell you who your child bit and they won't ch- tell, you know, who bit okay. your child. But these parents, a couple parents witnessed him biting with their eyeballs Got and with their, <laughs> so, with their eyeballs. And so they knew who we were, but we didn't know who they were. And that felt very uncomfortable because I would have loved to have had a conversation with them and talk to them. But I think a theme sort of in the book is how clearly can you ever see your child and like, do you see them the most clearly of anyone or do you see them the least clearly? And it's very hard because they're sort of an extension of you. And we often see our children's as an extension of ourselves and a direct result of our parenting. And you see the best of them and you see the worst of them. So it's a little bit of a both. And I think on both of those, those fronts as well. And it was very hard as parents to see him sort of like reduced in people's eyes to a biter you know, when that's not who we saw and, and he wasn't aggressive. He was just like an impulse thing, but it just kind of made me like seeing a parent try to get him kicked out of school. I think we're all looking for ways to feel like good parents. And I think that that's kind of like a quick dopamine hit Um, quick endorphin hit to feel like to jump in and protect your child from some perceived danger. And we're all looking for those crystal clear moments where we know we're like, we're doing it. Like we're we're being good mothers and I get it. I get it. Like I, I understand, but also like want to celebrate that the, you know, more nuanced, you know, hidden work of parenting a difficult child or a child in a difficult moment is also good parenting, even when you don't see the results as perfect behavior. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's such wisdom. Yes, it is nice to see people who are biters turn out to be normal humans. So that is a win. But I, <laughs> yes. But I couldn't agree more. There is that surge of righteous indignation that we all kind and of- And I love righteous indignation. It is my favorite kind of indignation. Oh, Please couldn't agree more, especially <laughs> yes. if I'm in an argument with my husband. Yes, oh, so Let good. Me, like I get it. I get it. Rip. Yes. yes, but you're exactly right because I think the yes, many people have a smoother road. It's very similar to the early days when some babies sleep and some babies don't, and mm-hmm. it's really not about how successful you are. So I think that sort of detachment from your child, but then also, yeah, having a lot more space for their kids. They're growing. Yeah. 
Yeah. You yeah. just wanted to bite. <laughs> I know. He did. And you know what? It it disappeared like magic. It was a phase. Isn't that amazing? It's a consuming, it was a consuming moment for you, it yes. sounds like, in so many ways. And then one day you look up and it's like, oh, so that's yeah. done. We're done yeah, with that. He doesn't do that. We decided not to, you know? <laughs> and it's it's great, much like Renfield syndrome. <laughs> so true. Way to bring it back around. <laughs> well, I have really enjoyed talking to you about this book. I hope that people yeah. really enjoy the book. If you're an audiobook person, be sure to listen to it because it will, the performance was really well done. But really good. in general, I just think you have a really good way. I'm going to actually go back and read your backlist because I love the way that you have your commentary kind of woven in there and none of it's heavy handed. None of it feels like you're trying too hard. It really is just, you're writing about it from this perspective in which you have some experience. So I think it's really well done. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for asking my, my two personal questions about your, or exceedingly personal questions, I should say, about what kind of parent you are. And I hope that people, though, have gotten to know because I think you're a great writer and I am sure that you are a better mother than you think you are. Oh, thank you. I hope, I hope so. I hope so. I I think we all are. I think we all have to be. I mean, right? It's really the only way we'll survive. We're trying, right? We're trying. (laughs) Thanks so much for today, Chandler. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 